Welcome to Thrive Community Podcast. We are a church community that is passionate about helping you thrive in your life with Jesus. If you're after more information about Thrive Community, hop onto our website at www.thrivecommunity.au. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired by this message. probably in some ways is a good lead-in for the journey that we want to continue this morning. Um, And we've been talking over the last few weeks about finding rest for our souls. And that really is finding all of our satisfaction in Him and and Him alone. And so we're going to continue to talk through more of that together this morning. And I'm not sure whether it's just me, um, but I know in chatting to, to, to many of you, God is just continuing to stir things and and lead us into deeper places of freedom. I feel like, you know, I don't really want to move on from the journey of finding rest for our souls. Uh, for, for me personally, and you know, I've been guilty of this in a number of, of different ways in different spaces over the years, but it needs to be, you know, more than just a, a Sunday message or more than just what we talk about on a Sunday. It, it's, it's more than just intellectual knowledge. It's more than just even revelation or understanding or, you know, three keys to finding rest that all start with the letter P. It needs to be more than that. And it actually needs to be something that we begin to, to live and experience and genuinely walk out. Because we can quote scriptures and we can have great discussions on a Sunday morning. But unless the Spirit of God is transforming us from the inside out during the rest of our week, you kind of go, what's, what's the point? It's ultimately Him transforming us day by day. And so we're going to return back to finding rest for our souls and that journey of discovering the promised land of rest in our soul. And as I was thinking about the fact that I was struggling to move on from this and feeling like we've still at least got another kind of few weeks to to, to go, I was reminded of just our kids and I'm assuming all kids are very similar, right? They find a movie that they're into and then for the next three weeks you ask, what do you want to watch? And it's the same thing over and over and over again. And they learn all the words. Malia knows all of the dance moves, whether it's Frozen or whatever else it might be. And it's this idea of actually having something kind of move beyond just kind of limited knowledge, but kind of becoming a part of who we are. And it, it becomes internalized. And James 1.22 in the Amplified, I love this. And it says, but prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts. And not merely listeners who hear the word, but fail to internalize its meaning. And I think that's so powerful that we would be people who don't just hear the word, but actually internalize it and obey it and live out the life that God's calling us to live. And I do think finding rest for our souls is so fundamental and so important to living an abundant life with Jesus. If our souls are all over the place, our mind, our will and our emotions tossed to and fro or kind of caught up in fear and anxiety and all sorts of things. Of course, we're all on journeys towards that true rest, but it's something that is so foundational and so fundamental to us living in the fullness of what God wants. And so we need to create space, not just here on a Sunday, this is important, but in the rest of our weeks as well, to allow God to reveal, to stir, to challenge, to encourage, perhaps to rebuke and convict. And Sometimes that journey does take a while, as we've said before. Probably it's a forever journey finding true rest. And it is kind of step by step of just allowing God to reveal more and to teach us more and heal us and lead us. 
down the path of fullness. And at times it might look messy, at times you know, it might feel like you're going backwards, at times it might feel like all sorts of things are going on. You know, we had the kids sleep over at my mum's on Friday night and Sarah and I then had you know, a bit of time yesterday, just ourselves. And we just spent most of the morning, to be honest, just talking about all of the mess in each of our souls, right? And just the journey that we've still got to go on and the stuff that's still there that we still need to work through as well. And so there might be some difficult self-realizations or some stuff that comes up that we didn't realize. Or maybe there's things that have been there for a long time that we know and we've been too scared to begin to unpack them and deal with them. And it's not always an easy journey, but there is freedom and there is abundance and there is peace and there is rest as we walk that out. And ultimately, we want to be on this journey together as a community because it's worth it. Finding rest and peace in Jesus and in our souls is so worth it. He is worthy of it all. And there's nothing else that can come close to that place of rest in Him. And so our heart's desire really is that we would find that rest. And as we find that rest, we're able to grow closer to Him and see Him more clearly. And I was struck by the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There's this beautiful kind of connection between clarity and purity and rest in our souls and the ability to see Jesus for who He really is. And so if we're going to be people who do that, who go on this, this journey, then we need to be people who are committed to walking out, you know, possessing that land of our soul. And there's so many different scriptures we've talked about over the last few weeks, whether it's Matthew 11 and come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and I will give you rest for your souls. Jeremiah 6, 16, talking about following the old reliable paths of God, the paths of blessing. And if we do, we will find rest for our souls. And then we talked from Exodus last Sunday, and we'll touch on some of that today as well. But different parts of Exodus talk about possessing the promised land, like God promising to give them rest as they come into the promised land. And that's what's really stuck with me as I've been reflecting on, you know, my journey over the last week or so and couple of weeks is that it's this journey of possessing the promised land of rest. And there's so many parallels between the, the journey that the Israelites went on in possessing the promised land, but also what we can do in possessing the land of rest for our souls. And so last week we spent a bit of time talking about, you know, creating space and making room to look across the land of our souls, survey the land of our souls. And what do we see? Do we see walls perhaps of unforgiveness and bitterness and things that have been built over the years that are preventing the river of rest from flowing through areas of our lives? Are there structures, altars, buildings that have been built that ultimately are home for things that are preventing us from growing in our life with Jesus? You know, and I'm sure we've, we've all got different things going on, but I'd certainly say that there's probably things living in my soul that shouldn't be living there. And what are those things? What have we constructed? What have we allowed to take up residence in our soul that doesn't belong there in the first place? So the first step in kind of taking back or reclaiming the, the land of our soul is actually surveying the land and having a look through there to, to work out what we've allowed to come in in the first place. Perhaps to spy out the land and to see what's there. And it's interesting that that's exactly what God told the Israelites to do when they were looking at taking the promised land as well. They sent 12 spies to spy out the land. 
In Numbers 13, to 17, Numbers 13, 17 to 20, it says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, the, the promised land, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And I just love those questions. And we could ask those same questions of our lives and our soul as well. When we go out and spy out and explore the land of our souls, what is the land like? Who is living there? Are they strong? Are they weak? Are they few? Are there many? How much fear? How much anger? How much anxiety? How much bitterness? How many of those memories from the past? Whatever it might look like. How much is there? What are the towns like? Have we built walls around certain things? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? What walls have we built over the years? Is the land fertile or poor? Have we watered the ground and the soil of our souls and tended to it? Or have we left it and it's lost its fertility? And so what I want to do just for a few minutes is actually make some space right here and right now for us to reflect and perhaps ask some of those questions just between us and the Lord as we worship and as we allow God to perhaps highlight some things, illuminate some things, bring some things to mind because it is important that we take the time to properly survey the land and have God bring some things up so that we can then begin the process of clearing the land. And that's what we're going to talk about off the back of this. We'll spend just a few minutes in worship and just allowing God to to speak and minister to us. And then I want to get quite practical in talking about how do we clear the land? If we know there's walls there, if we know there's buildings there, how do we actually begin dismantling those things and clearing the land so that we can possess it? Thank you, Jesus, that in your loving kindness, you show us, you lead us into freedom. And so, Lord, as we open our hearts, we thank you that you are beginning to show us, allowing us to see as we survey the land of our souls, that we're beginning to see things that perhaps have been there too long and shouldn't be there anymore. Things that we've built that need to be dismantled and taken down, that there's areas of the land of our souls that need to be cleared of the inhabitants that are there. And so as we spy those out, help us to begin to understand and receive insight and revelation of how to dismantle, how to take down, how to clear the land and welcome you in greater measure into our souls. We love you and we praise you and continue to lead us and guide us in your loving kindness and in your grace. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first step in reclaiming the land of our souls is taking the time to actually reflect and survey the landscape of our souls. And we can do that at home. We can do that in spaces like this. But then once we begin to to see things that are there, we actually need to get our hands dirty and begin clearing the land, dismantling things, taking things down. And that perhaps is often, at least speaking from personal experience, sometimes 
the most challenging and often the most time-consuming process, right? You might know that there's something there that isn't right, but how do we actually go about dealing with it? How do we go about taking that down? And I think certainly in our kind of instant microwave society, often we want things to happen straight away. Well, I know there's an issue there and I want it solved tomorrow, but actually it can be a time-consuming process to begin to understand the layers that are there and begin to dismantle them. We often want to move straight into kind of just possessing the land of our souls without taking the time to clear the land of the things that are there. We want to be full of God and Him alone, and I think that's a great desire. But in order to welcome more of Him into our lives, sometimes we need to take time to clear the land of the things that are taking up space. And that takes time. And and the picture I had as I was kind of praying into this during the week was almost like a really busy campsite. Right, you've got, you've got land there and there's tents and people camping all over the place. There's clutter, there's busyness, there's issues from the past, all sorts of things perhaps that have set up tents or caravans in the land of our souls. And we do need to take the time to begin taking those tents down to clear space for God to come and fill that. You know, uh, as much as we might try to just squash God into one corner of our soul. We're never going to live in the fullness if we never take the time to clear out some of the other things that are dwelling there. Our freedom is dependent on us actually taking the time in partnership with the Holy Spirit and in partnership with God to begin taking some of those tents down and clearing space. That's where rest begins to flow. And I was reminded of Isaiah 54, verses two to three, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. What's hard to do that if you've only got a very small little campsite and the rest is filled up with clutter and tents from others? We need to clear land, clear space so we can enlarge the tent of the house of the Lord in our hearts. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. And I find that really interesting that the first step is dispossessing nations. There's this idea of dismantling and dispossessing and then we settle in the cities. And so with that in mind, coming back to the passage that we looked at last week from Exodus 23. And this is, again, God speaking to the Israelites about how they're going to take the land, how they're going to conquer the promised land. And I'm going to read a few verses, 23, 24, and then jump down to 29 to 30. I know we read all the way through this passage last week, but it says from verse 23 of Exodus 23. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the land of the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Canaanite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, I will reject them and completely destroy them. You shall not bow down to worship their gods nor serve them, nor do anything in accordance with their practices. You shall completely overthrow them and break down their sacred pillars and images for pagan worship. I mean, that speaks to me about clearing the land of the things that are there that that shouldn't be there and don't deserve to take up space. But then God says something really interesting. I will not drive them out before you in a single year so that the land does not become desolate due to lack of attention and the wild animals of the field do not become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little until you have increased and are strong enough to take possession of the land. And I find that a fascinating statement that God would say, He's not going to drive them all out in a single year, but He'll drive them out little by little until we are strong enough and have increased enough to actually take possession of the land. And 
To me, it's, it's clear that God wants to get rid of all of those enemies. He wants to dismantle, He wants to destroy the idols and the altars and the buildings and the temples and everything that's there. He wants to get rid of all of that. And I believe His zeal for us and clearing the land of our souls is exactly the same. He wants to get rid of all of the things that are in there that aren't healthy, that are getting in the way, that are trapping us and keeping us bound. But He also knows that amongst all of that, we need to be people who are able to walk out and steward the freedom that He provides for us. If we get ahead of ourselves and our whole land is clear, and we're not strong enough or haven't increased enough to actually possess that land properly, we can end up worse than we did before. And, you know, I found myself reflecting on this passage during the week and, you know, God saying, I will not drive them out in a single year, but it'll be little by little. I was like, there's so many messages out there of people saying, suddenlies are coming. This is a time of suddenlies. And I'm stuck here preaching a message on slowlies, right? And you kind of go, (laughs) but I think there is a depth that comes when we partner with God little by little that is lasting transformation rather than an up and down high. And so we need to be people who are partnering with the little by little because that leaves lasting transformation in our hearts and our lives. So, It's not a quick process, but that's not because God wants to just leave us sitting in our pain and sitting in our mess and sitting in our struggles. But He wants to make sure that we are actually strong enough to steward the freedom and the rest that comes off the back of clearing the land. Because, you know, my limited understanding, I don't always see the bigger picture. I don't know what's coming around the corner. God knows exactly how the enemy is going to work better than we do. And so in His wisdom, there's times where He says it's better to walk this out little by little and not have it all happen in a single year. Matthew 12, 43 to 45. All right, this is Jesus speaking. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. I find that fascinating that even the unclean spirit is out there looking for rest. And then the unclean spirit says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. You know, that reminds me of someone who perhaps too quickly has cleared the land. And then the enemy kind of comes back and finds the house empty, swept and put in order. And what does it say? He goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Sometimes if we're not mature enough or able to steward the freedom that comes, we can find ourselves in a worse place than where we started. And I feel like this is the loving heart of God towards us walking things out little by little. We'd probably be overwhelmed if He showed us all of the stuff that was going on in our hearts all at once, right? It's, it's a little by little process so that we can then possess the house, possess the land, depending on the picture that you're thinking about. And, you know, my other prayer that really struck me, I find it fascinating that the unclean spirit is seeking rest as well. May we never be people where the enemy is able to find rest in our hearts and in our souls and in our lives. May everything that we're about continue to discomfort and push him out rather than giving him room to find rest. And there is great love. There is great freedom. There is great wisdom in God choosing to lead us down a path like this. It's little by little. But then what does that actually look like? What are some of those little by little steps that we can take practically? How do we begin to dismantle some of those things? And like I said, it's not about trying to deal with everything all at once. Perhaps in our time of worship, maybe God highlighted one thing for us to have in our hearts and our minds that perhaps we can apply some of the things we're gonna talk about. You know, how, how do we begin practically clearing the land? 
Once we've seen a wall or seen a building or seen an altar that needs to come down, what do we do about it? And I want to look at a passage that might seem a little bit random at first, but, but stick with me because I feel like there's some, some really great keys in there. And it's Genesis 29. Genesis 29 from verse 31. And as I said, it might seem a little bit random at first, but this is talking about Jacob and his desire to marry Rachel. If you're familiar with that passage, Jacob goes and meets Rachel's father, Laban, and he works for seven years for the right to marry Rachel. And he works for seven years, and at the end of that, he thinks he's marrying Rachel, and then Laban, Rachel's father, deceives him and gives him one of his other daughters, Leah. And Jacob is upset, and eventually he marries the other sister, Rachel. So he's married to these two sisters, Rachel and Leah, but he really loves Rachel more than Leah. And so there's these two wives, one who's feeling rejected and unloved. And this passage in Genesis 29 speaks about some of the the soul journey and the things that Leah endured as she was the least preferred wife in that scenario. Genesis 29 verses 31 to 35. And it says, Now when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he made her able to bear children, but Rachel was barren. And here Leah conceives four kids. So Leah conceived and gave birth to a son and named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has seen my humiliation and suffering, now my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and gave birth to a son and said, because the Lord heard that I am unloved, he has given me this son also. So she named him Simeon, which means God hears. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me as a companion, for I have given him three sons. Therefore, he was named Levi. And again, she conceived and gave birth to a fourth son. And she said, now I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then for a time, she stopped bearing children. So here's Leah, the least preferred, unloved wife of Jacob. And she gives birth to to four sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And fascinating, she gives us a bit of an insight into kind of where her heart was at and why she named each of those sons the names that she gave them. And I want to suggest that perhaps there's something in this that gives us a sort of four-step blueprint, a four-step process to beginning to clear the land of our souls. The insight that Leah gives in her heart, her soul, and the name that she gave them can help us with some keys to begin clearing the land of things that perhaps need to be dealt with in our souls. And so the first son, if we turn to that, Leah conceived and gave birth to a son and named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has seen my humiliation and suffering, now my husband will love me. And so Leah is talking about what the Lord has seen. She's talking about her outward feelings, her outward thoughts, her outward circumstances, her humiliation and her suffering as a rejected or unloved wife of Jacob. And and I'm sure there would have been all sorts of feelings and emotions for Leah at the time, right? It would have been a really painful time, I'm sure, being the kind of least preferred wife and knowing that she was unloved. And there would have been situations, I'm sure, that were painful for Leah, where 
Jacob obviously chose Rachel rather than her and what that would have done for her soul and her heart as she was deliberately overlooked or deliberately rejected in different situations and circumstances. And so the the first step in this journey of clearing the land of our soul is beginning to identify some of those outward external feelings, emotions, thoughts, circumstances, perhaps memories that are there. And we need to be able to identify those. And it might be something that, you know, comes to mind very quickly. There's, you know, a particular response that we give that is emotional or full of something that we know isn't healthy. Or maybe there is a, a memory or a circumstance or a situation that, that comes to mind. We need to begin to identify what those emotions, those feelings, those circumstances, those thoughts are that aren't healthy. Perhaps they're disappointments or, or other situations. And so, you know, when, when, we, when we look across the, the land of our souls, survey the land of our souls, and we see walls or we see buildings or altars, I guess the question is, you know, what does the structure look like? What's, what's the outward display? In some ways, if you think about it, almost like, you know, we've got certain sicknesses in our soul that need to be healed. What are the symptoms that we're displaying? Right? Not talking about the deep roots, but talking about what are the symptoms that are displayed in our everyday lives. Do we snap really quickly? Is there um, a, a desire for something else that's unhealthy? Is there disappointment or whatever else it might be? If we look at the structures and the walls in our souls, what do they look like? Do they look like anger? Do they look like regret? Do they look like shame? Do they look like anxiety? Do they look like this kind of desire to control everything. What, what do the structures and the walls look like? Does it look like a particular painful memory, perhaps, or, or circumstance? And, and this, and taking the time to, to reflect on that, I think is a really, really important step because un, unless we can begin to see what's there, unless we can identify the outward symptom, it's gonna be really difficult to actually deal with the deeper part of, of what's going on. And... You know, for men, or I'll put myself in this basket at least, this can be really challenging because at times you kind of look across and you go, well, I don't see anything. And that's just because perhaps it's kind of emotionally disengaged or disconnected, exactly right. <laughs> and I feel like it's almost the other side of the spectrum for, for women sometimes where you see too much and you're not quite sure where to start, right? There's kind of too many different things. <laughs> and that's probably a really big generalization, but feel like in some ways, you know, between Sarah and I, she's kind of seeing stuff for herself and for me because I'm, I'm unable to identify you know, stuff in my own life. Exactly right. <laughs> but we do need to take the time to try to identify what are, the, what are those emotions or feelings or thoughts, those kind of outward symptoms. And once we begin to see them and have identified them, then we can begin to dig a little bit deeper and begin listening to the deeper cry of our hearts and begin to ask God, where is that coming from? What is that symptom showing me about the deeper places of my heart and my soul? And the second son that Leah conceives here, then she conceived again and gave birth to a son and said, because the Lord heard that I am unloved. That's speaking about a deeper reality, not an outward feeling or emotion, but there's a deeper heart cry. I am unloved. He has given me this son also. So she named him Simeon. So Leah's speaking about the the deeper wound in her heart that she is unloved as the unloved wife of of Jacob. This isn't the external emotion or or the memory. This is a deeper belief and identity issue that's in her heart. This This is a lie upon which 
those outward feelings, that humiliation and that suffering was built upon. And so if we wanna be those that are continuing to clear the land, we don't just need to identify the symptoms or the outward emotions, but we also need to be asking ourselves, what is that structure built upon? What's the foundation of that outward feeling or emotion? All right, the first question was thinking about what does the structure look like? But we also need to ask, what is that structure built upon? What is the foundation? What is the, the deeper lie, the deeper identity issue? What is the deeper cry of our hearts? Is that foundation perhaps, you know, a particular wrong belief about who we are? Maybe it is similar to, to Leah. Deep down, we believe that we are unloved or we're unworthy or unwanted or not important. And that in itself results in a particular response or particular feelings or emotions. Maybe we've had particular memories or circumstances or things happen to us and we've got a wound of rejection or abandonment deeper down in our hearts and in our lives. And that's the foundation upon which some of the behaviour has been built upon. Maybe it's certain words that people have spoken over us Certain words that people have spoken over us that have impacted the way we see ourselves and our identity and what we believe about who we are. Or certain pressure and expectation that's kind of distorted who we are and the way we live and what we believe about ourselves. We need to take the time to ask ourselves, what's the foundation? What is this structure, this wall built upon? And this is one I think, at least for me, and putting myself in the kind of male basket, it can take a long time sometimes to understand what is the root, what is the the deeper heart issue that's driving that kind of behaviour. There might be a number of layers that we need to, to work through and we often need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us see deeper down in our heart and, and what's going on. Um, you know, I love this from, from Psalm 139 in the Passion Translation and it's one that I often turn to in these sorts of situations and it's a great prayer. It says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that leads me back to you. Such a great and powerful prayer. And You know, I believe that if we open our hearts up and and pray that prayer, the Lord will begin to show us any paths of pain we're walking on, anything that perhaps is in our soul that's getting in the way of us actually finding the rest that He wants us to experience. And not only, you know, spending our own time with the Lord, as I mentioned before, I feel like, you know, Sarah's the one that often sees the the things that are going on in my soul as well as hers. There's, There's the value of community in this journey as well that so often we might be blinded to our own things that are going on and it's in safe relationships and safe situations that we're able to have conversations and perhaps people can lovingly mention something or you're in a conversation and something just begins to make sense about something that someone said. And we, we, need, we need God to begin to, to show us and illuminate the deeper layers of our, of our souls and the things that are going on, but we also need one another. Right? We would struggle to understand what's really going on if we're just living an isolated life off by ourselves. It's in relationships, whether that's perhaps in a professional context, counselling or speaking to someone, or just in our everyday relationships with friends and family. All of those are important in helping us become more aware of, of what's going on inside of us. So we ask 
What does the structure look like? Those unhealthy emotions and outward feelings and thoughts and memories. We ask, what is the structure built upon? The foundation of those outward symptoms. But then the next step in clearing the land is we need to begin to ask ourselves, who's living in that structure? What is the the coping mechanism that we actually turn to to deal with that deeper root of rejection or feeling unloved or unworthy or whatever it might be? How do we actually cope with that thing that's going on in our hearts? Again, using that picture of the structure or the wall or the town as we survey the land of our souls. What does it look like? What's the foundation of that structure? And who's living there? Who have we allowed to actually take up residence in that place? Turning back to Genesis 29, the third son that Leah gives birth to. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me as a companion for I have given him three sons. Therefore, he was named Levi. And for me, this speaks about Leah feeling like perhaps by getting close to her husband and getting more of her husband's affection and attention, it was going to heal the deep wound of her heart that her husband was going to be the coping mechanism for her to deal with feeling unloved. It was a false belief that perhaps somehow her spouse was going to actually heal a wound that only God could. And I don't know about you, but I feel like we often do the same thing, right? We turn to things that ultimately are coping mechanisms outside of God, thinking that perhaps, well, they provide temporary relief at times or genuinely we think that they will provide a solution that ultimately only comes through finding rest with Jesus. And I wonder in our own lives, what are some of the the coping mechanisms perhaps that, that we turn to at times to deal with the things that are going on inside of us. Again, maybe similar to Leah. We turn to to people or particular relationships and we throw ourselves in that and put too much pressure on someone else perhaps to to fix some things that actually only God can, can fix. Or we choose to run away emotionally and escape with whatever it might be. Um, You know, we're talking about some of this last week, whether it's, you know, games, social media, um, exercise, all sorts of things. You, you see people that kind of get so consumed with something and often it's because they're trying to hide from something deeper that's, that's going on. Who's living in the structure in the land of our souls? You know, maybe we turn to lust or all sorts of different things that are coping mechanisms for people around and about us. What do we turn to to try and cope with the struggles and the things that are going on. And it's one that, again, is often worth thinking about. And sometimes it, it, it can come to light through conversations that we're having with, with others. We begin to realize that actually, yes, I'm using that to try and kind of mask or hide, you know, something else. And, and often we don't see that until we take some, some steps or have some conversations. And again, I know I shared this last week. For me, often, you know, I've started to, hopefully grow in identifying when I'm emotionally disengaging because that often is a sign that there's something that's been triggered deeper down and I kind of emotionally disengage and in the end it will pop up somewhere really unhealthy Um, but trying to identify the the coping mechanisms rather than turning to Sarah or the Lord I end up you know escaping into TV or some other app or whatever it is and I'm disconnecting emotionally and I wonder what the coping mechanisms are for us. We all have different personalities and different ways of of dealing with with things. 
for, for some of us, it can also just be busyness. And I know people that are like that. They just constantly fill their calendars because they're afraid of being alone. Because in that scenario, stuff might come up that they don't want to deal with. And so at times it can be literally just filling our calendars with too much stuff. And as we kind of bring this in for, for this morning, I won't talk for too much longer. There's those first three children that Leah has. And we've talked about the, the outward emotions and feelings and thoughts where she gave birth to Reuben, what the Lord sees. Then what is the foundation of the, the structure? What is the deeper thing that's going on that's resulting in that behavior? And Leah gives birth to Simeon. And it was about God hearing that she was unloved. The, the third one was her son Levi and how Leah believed that perhaps becoming attached to her husband was somehow going to, to solve the, the deeper things that were going on for her. But I love that the fourth son that Leah gives birth to, again, she conceived and gave birth to a fourth son and she said, now I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And I love this, that she kind of goes through this journey and comes to a place where she goes, you know what, actually, it's just about the Lord. It's just about praising the Lord. She goes on this journey of, you know, the, the humiliation and the suffering, the outward feelings, the deep sense of feeling unloved, the cry of her heart, thinking that somehow her husband was going to solve that for her. And then she comes to this place where she says, no, now I will praise the Lord. And actually I can find healing and I can find rest in him. And that's my prayer for all of us as well, that we would go on that journey. And, you know, as difficult as it is, you know, you can't necessarily just jump straight to the last step, right? As, as much as we might want to just be like, okay, God, we're all good, that's fine. Coming back to what we talked about before, we do often need to walk that little by little journey of identifying what are the things that are going on? How do we begin to take those down? How do we begin to, to dig up the foundation of lies and identity issues? How do we begin to identify and move away from the coping mechanisms and actually allow God to become the coping mechanism and the only one that we need. And so just running through very quickly as a recap, those four questions that we can ask ourselves as we begin clearing the land of our souls. And as I said, we'll continue this journey next week. But what, what does the structure look like? If we survey the land of our souls, what does that look like? What are those outward unhealthy emotions, feelings, thoughts. What is the structure built upon? What is the foundation? What is the, the deeper lie or identity issue that perhaps is the cause of those feelings and those emotions and those responses? And then thirdly, who is living in that structure? What is the coping mechanism? What is the thing that we turn to to deal with the pain or the anger or whatever it might be? And lastly, we go on this beautiful journey of bringing God in to take up residence and settle himself in that part of the land. And that's what we're going to dig into next week is how do we rebuild a house for God in land that we have cleared? Because again, we don't want to be like the man in Matthew 12 who an unclean spirit gets sent out and then he comes back with seven of his friends. We want to be able to possess the land and actually build a house for God in the space that we've cleared and allow him to take up residence. And so what I want to do, and just for a few minutes, is perhaps just again, spend some time reflecting and allowing God to, to speak to us because we might be at different stages of this journey in different areas of our souls. Maybe we know what the symptom is, the outward expression, but we're still trying to work out what is the deeper lie behind it. Or maybe we're aware of what the deeper identity 
issue is, but we haven't yet identified how we cope with it. Um, and we can be in different parts of that journey in different areas of our souls. And it does take time. As I said, you know, unfortunately, it's not the, the stand up and shout and yell amen kind of message because it's not suddenly breakthrough. It's a slowly, but I'm believing that this is a journey to see deep lasting transformation for us. And that ultimately is what it's about. Rather than having one day of excitement and you're falling back into the same issues that you've had for however many years, but continuing to walk out little by little, being transformed into the fullness of what Christ wants for us. And so I might just put some worship on, I'll pray, and we'll spend some time just reflecting and asking God, perhaps praying that prayer from Psalm 139. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on. God, show me, I want to know and allowing him to speak to us. And so, Lord, we just come to you this morning as children of yours, knowing that you are our loving Father, knowing that your desire for us is good, and that you want to see us grow in freedom, grow in liberty, grow in abundance, grow in peace, and grow in rest. And so, Lord, we just choose to open up our hearts and open up our lives to you, And we do, we ask for your searching gaze to come and search our hearts and our souls. See if there is any path of pain that we are walking on. For Lord, we we long to be transformed more and more into your image. We long to, by the light of your spirit, see those things that aren't right and begin to clear the land of our souls, to stretch out our tent pegs and welcome more of you in to those corners, those crevices, those valleys, those areas of our hearts. We welcome you in and we ask you to minister and to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name.